It's awesome. Uh, really good series, so we're having a lot of fun. Um, I've been at their churches, and then, and then next week, we'll kind of conclude the series with, with Pastor George uh, will be with you guys. Um, and so I think the first week, Keith talked about redefining faith, and la- or, or Chris talked about redefining fa- faith. Heath talked about redefining joy, and I want to talk a little bit this morning about redefining greatness. Redefining greatness. So if you would, please, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke. We're going to read a few scriptures. And then at the end of service today, we are going to celebrate communion. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 46. Then his disciples began arguing about which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, Anyone who will welcome a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Now turn with me to Luke 22. We're going to find a similar conversation taking place. This takes place uh, quite a bit of time later, actually right before Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. They've actually just celebrated communion, and this conversation arises at the table, beginning in 22, verse 24. Then they began to argue among themselves, talking about the disciples, who would be the greatest among them? Jesus told them, in this world there's kings and great men who lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, It's going to be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader, he should be like a servant. Now, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Now, turn with me over to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul, writing this letter to the church of Corinth, 9 and 22, he says this. He says, um, actually starting with verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself myself might become disqualified. So imagine it. There's this conversation uh, with the disciples, and the Bible doesn't say this, but you kind of assume a little bit that's probably Peter that started this conversation. Because if you read anything about Peter, Peter's kind of constantly putting his foot in his mouth. And, and so you just kind of see them. They're sitting at the table. They've had this moment, and, and then they say, well, guys, you know, we're all just sitting here hanging out, just wondering uh, who's the best. Who's the greatest among us? And, and then you kind of see, you know, I, I don't know if y'all remember, but, you know, I kind of walked on water for a few steps. I mean, that was pretty awesome. None of y'all did that. 
I mean, Peter, Peter's just like, you could just kind of see him, and then know some of those other times, and they just kind of have this conversation about who is the greatest, and they're doing it right there with Jesus. And it's like, this has to be the dumbest question in all of the Bible. I mean, Jesus is right there, and they are asking this question. Could you imagine, like, me and the other pastors, and we all get together, and we say, hey, how did everything go? How was, how was it preaching at this church or this church? And then at some point, I'm like, but who was the best? <laughs> who did the best, right? Like, we would never say that out loud. <laughs> out loud. <laughs> but on the inside, oh, yeah, yeah, I got him. <laughs> well, Heath gave out Hershey's kisses, so, man, he won, you know? It's like we was like, but have you ever had those moments, like, at work? We're like, I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that. I know more than my boss. How did they get to be the boss? Like, seriously, how are they the boss? We've all had those moments. And, like, we begin to, like, compare our work. And, and, like, here's what's amazing about this question that they've asked. A little bit of the context when it comes up the first time about greatness. Um, Jesus has actually taken three of the disciples, Peter, James, John. He's taken them uh, up, up this mountain and Jesus, it's called the transfiguration. He transfigures right in front of them. So it says, like, he is glowing. He's like this bright light. Now here, it's one thing to kind of, like, glow in the dark. Jesus is glowing in the light. I mean, that's like extra, extra white, you know, the whitest person ever. Jesus is glowing. Oh, he's transfiguring right in front of them. And, and it says this, that the disciples were actually taking a nap. They wake up, and Peter's like, whoa, and Peter, again, like, not knowing what to do, just kind of, hey, let's build some tents, and let's just stay here, at which point, that's where things just start to break down, and Jesus is like, all right, back down the mountain we go, because, Peter, you're just not getting it, so, like, they've seen Jesus, and they've seen the transfiguration, they get down to the bottom of the mountain, and this father comes up to him, he says, listen, I have this problem, my, my son, he's throwing himself on the ground, there's these issues, he says this, I've taken him to the disciples, they couldn't help me. Try, trying to help him out, they couldn't help me. They couldn't cast out the demon. They, could, they couldn't do anything for me. And then Jesus says, all right, come and bring here. And Jesus takes care of it. Like, so again, let's realize the context. Jesus is transfigured in front of them. They failed at trying to help this young man. And Jesus has done it. And the best conversation they could come up with is, well, who's the best? Like, is it not obvious who is the best? It's Jesus, right? And yet, like, here's what's crazy. Like, we could say that this, this question is just so, but when you're in the midst of it, sometimes you become blinded to it. When you're in the midst of it, you become blinded to it. And we say and we think the craziest things. Have you ever been to a little kid's t-ball game? If you ever get the chance to go, it's awesome. It's the best. They, so they take this little tee, and, and, and they put the ball on it, whether it's a baseball or softball, or a, I don't know what they put on it. And, and then the kid that gets this bat, and he swings like four or five times, and he finally hits it. And when he hits it, he takes off running for third base. Like, <laughs> and like he's just running, and he gets on third base, and all the coaches and the parents are all, no, no, go to first. And he, he hits third base, and he's, Yes! I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. And then all the parents are like, yeah, you know, that's my boy over there. 
And I kind of think that's a little bit how the ministry is. Like sometimes as pastors, it's like, yeah, I preached that sermon and it was good. And Jesus is like, yeah, you took off running for third base. Not exactly, but that's my boy. That's my boy. Good try. Maybe next time. And, and, and it's just like in the midst of it, we kind of have no clue. Like we kind of think that this is the summation of everything and, and I'm, I'm awesome. The, uh, probably a few weeks ago, I love telling stories about my kids because right now they're young enough to where they can't, like, yell at me afterwards. Uh, so I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And I think this happened about the time Reese was only two. But, but Kobe is um, got, she just graduated from preschool, right? Is it preschool? The before school, school? Yeah, preschool. So she, she graduates. They had a little graduation ceremony for her. And all of the kids in the class that were graduating, they got certificates. And I just realized, I don't know if I've told this story before or not. No? Okay. Like, I'm going to be one of those old guys that tell the same stories over and over. So if you're with this church in like 40 years, you're going to hear it all again. So, because I don't remember. Anyway, so she's, she's walking down the, the aisles, and they're giving the kids these certificates. And, and Kobe gets two certificates. One certificate she gets for being the leader of the class. I'm like, yes, it's my daughter, leader of the class. And, and which I think is code for, like, she was in timeout a lot. And um, <laughs> then she gets this other award for, uh, dr- for being the most, uh, not drawer, artist. Artist. <laughs> She's not going to win spelling contest in this house. Um, and <laughs> she, she gets, you know, creative, and she loves to draw. I mean, the girl, she, and she can, she can paint and do all the stuff with crayons and so there's this day where I'm just sitting on the couch, and Kobe has, has colored in five or six different pictures. And she comes up to me, and she's just so excited. She's, Dad, look what I have done. And you just begin to see, and, like, she, she's colored them really good. I mean, she's, like, stayed in the lines. And so I just begin to encourage her, Kobe, you're such a good artist. You're, you're, you're great. You, you got that award. Keep, keep doing good. Keep, keep it up, honey. And so about the time that I'm encouraging Kobe and telling her how good she's doing, my two-year-old comes with her art. And her art looks like she's been drawing hurricanes, you know, tornadoes. And just like, and she hands it to me, and she's so happy. And she's like, Dad, look at this. And I look at I'm just, honey, that is so good, you know. But Kobe's still standing there. And Kobe's like, she's like looking at hers. And looking at Reese's, and she's like, Dad, that's not good at all. That's horrible. That's like complete rubbish, Dad. Like, she didn't stay in the lines. Like, the colors aren't even right. She's got green where the sun's supposed to be. I mean, she's like, just like, and I'm, there's this moment where I'm like, well, listen, baby. Like, you know, she's two right now, and whenever you were two, like, but you've gotten better, and she's going to get better. So, you know, we're trying to encourage her, and Kobe's just like, nah, Dad, but mine's better. You can't call that good, because I'm the greatest. I got the award. It's on the fridge, you know? And, like, there's something in us that, like, we kind of want to compare our work to somebody else's work. We want to know that, like, if I'm doing better than this guy, then I must be doing okay. Okay. Because the conversation at the table starts when Jesus says, listen, there's somebody at this table, and as a matter of fact, they're going to betray me. 
And then the disciples, whoa, 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 who would do such a thing? Who, who, who's the worst among us? And then they figure out, well, if we could figure out who's the worst, well, then we could figure out who's the best because then there's a baseline, there's a standard at which we can measure the progress of the rest of the disciples. And, and sometimes that's how we live our lives. If we could find a baseline of, listen, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but at least I'm not hooked on crack. That means I'm doing better than that guy. Maybe not. And so we, we try to find a baseline. We try to ba- a baseline for, for, for our faith. We try to find baselines for, for, for hope and for love and for engaging with the community around us and, and, and how we treat our, our parents and how we treat our wives and our husbands and our kids. And as long as we're doing better than that guy or that girl, we're doing okay. And, and we just want to compare and we want to know. We want to know who's the best. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Jesus never rebukes the disciples on this question in this sense. He never rebukes them for wanting to be great. He never rebukes them for wanting to be great. Matter of fact, I think Jesus says, I want you to be great. The problem is you have a bad understanding and a bad definition of what greatness really is. And Jesus redefines what greatness is to the disciples. He says, I have no problem. I want you to succeed. I want you to be great. I want you to do well. But here, you've got to know a few things first. And, and I think Paul gives us a really good uh, a vision that we, we had here in 1 Corinthians 9 where he's talking about this. Because if you really want to be great, which is okay, we've got to understand what greatness is. And to understand what greatness is, first we've got to know what we are going towards and who we are competing against. And, and, and Paul says, first of all, listen, you've got to know that the prize that you're running for, it's an eternal one. It's, it, it's not something that, listen, you could just run this race like all of these athletes do, and they go and they have this prize, and for this prize, it's going to perish and fade away. But we as Christians, we as believers, we run for an eternal prize. We run, he says, for the gospel's sake, I'm doing everything I can. For the weak, I became weak. Why? So that I might win some. I want to do everything I can to win some because I know that this has an eternal purpose and this is what it's all about. And I'm running this race with purpose. I'm running it with, with, with purpose in every step that I'm doing it. And I know why I'm doing it. See, some of us, we're running our race, and if we're not careful, we begin to run our race for earthly prizes. And if you're only trying to be a good Christian or do these things that you think are, are acceptable to the Lord for prizes here on this earth, let me tell you, you will find yourself so sorely disappointed. Because there will be moments, there will be times where you've done everything you can, and you didn't get the prize at the end of the cereal box. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's this moment where there's all this kind of hall of fame of faith and all of these people that have done these wonderful things. And it says, and then there are those who had died not receiving. That this world, man, like, that it was just not even enough that they received it in heaven. So if you're only running your race, only looking for the things that, the benefits and the blessing that this life has to offer, you're going to find yourself disappointed. Because there are certain things that you will not have the fullness of until you get to heaven where you stand before your creator and you fully know him just as you are fully known. So you've got to know why you're running your race. You've got to know what you're running your race for. You've got to know who you are running your race against. 
And here's the quite obvious thing, but it's not other brothers and sisters. It's not comparing your work to my work, comparing their work to their work. So often that's the trap that we get caught in, comparing ourselves to each other. And, and as long as I could do better than them, I'm doing okay. And here's the thing, and we kind of know that, we understand that. Listen, it's, it's not a competition, but yet somehow that's how we act sometimes. And that's why I love that we're doing this with these other churches. Because it gives us the opportunity to say, like, we're all in this together. We all need each other. We need all of us to, to represent and to be the body of Christ together and to show the world the love of Jesus. And it's not a competition. I'm not trying to preach better than Chris or trying to do this better than their church or that church or the church down the road. We're all in it together. And I want to do everything I can to help them go further. And that's the kingdom of God. And that's when you begin to experience something else. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, you're, you're not my competition. And then some of us think, well, okay, yeah, well, when it comes to getting the competition, you're really competing against yourself. Some of us have been taught that. Like, you're not competing with other brothers. As long as you could outdo yourself and do, like, no, 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 that's, that's not right either. Because here's the thing about competing against yourself. You always win, and you always lose. It's, it's a no-sum game. The fact is we have a very real enemy, and he's out to steal to kill and destroy. And he's out to do everything he can to take as many people out uh, of the glorious knowledge of God and to literally strangle the life out of them. And we need to do everything we can to the weak we become as weak, why that we might win some all for the glory of God. God, that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, the end being of all man, God, that we would glorify you and enjoy you the glory of God. See, I don't want to preach a bad sermon. Like, I, I hate it when I preach a bad sermon. I want to do the best I can uh, every day to, to, to bring it. And, and there are times, and if you've been around the church for any period of time, especially in those early days, there were some really bad sermons. But the thing is, like, I'm not competing against them. I'm not even competing against me. What I'm trying to do is I want to walk off of this. I want to leave this room today knowing that I've given everything I can for the gospel. Knowing that I've done everything I can. That, Jesus, I laid it all on the line. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't, I wasn't holding back for anything or for anyone. That God, I just put it there, and sometimes I fail miserably. But God, it's up to you to do something with it. Here it is, God. And, and here's what's the amazing thing about it sometimes. Is sometimes when I think I have failed miserably, some of you guys come up and like, Lucas, that's the greatest sermon I've ever heard. <laughs> like, that thing? It was horrible. It was the worst thing. And then the times where I think I've done really good, y'all are like, eh, that was great. Yeah, I've heard better. Heath was here, and then, uh, <laughs> Because we can't compare ourselves to others. We've got to know what we're running for. We've got to know who we're running against. For what prize? Because here's the thing. In this, thing in, in this Christian life that we're living, there's no participation ribbons. There's no, I know that's like the big thing in school now. Like, oh, if you just, the kid shows up, you, here you go. First place, kid. Nope. 
It doesn't work that way. There is no, well, Jesus, I, I, I went to church on Sunday. Yeah. Like, no, I've called you to do something. Or oh, the thing that I've put in your heart, there's a, you, you've got to run your race. You've got to do it with disciplining your body. You've got to do it with uh, purpose in every step, with focus in every, every stride. God, this is for you. This is what I'm running for. And if you fail, get back up. Peter is the greatest example of that. Constantly, but he got back up. This desire to be great, to do something great, it's in us. And somehow we've kind of been taught over the years that, listen, you just got to suppress that down because, like, that's not really a good thing. That There's this false sense of humility that we have, and like, oh, to want to be great and something. Like, no, Jesus doesn't say that. Like, I want you guys to be great. You just need to have a good understanding of what greatness is. And he illustrates it. And first and foremost, like, he says, listen, there's, there's those in this world, there's these kings and, and these great men, and they lord it over others. They lord their positions. They, they lord their authority over, over others. But with you, it will be different. See, true greatness doesn't have to tell you that it's great. It just is. See, see, true greatness doesn't have to, to, to show everybody and, and pull everybody else down so that you could feel better about being up. See, true greatness comes down and steps out of heaven and into humanity and makes himself like his creation in flesh and helps bring us up. And to the weak, I became this weak. And, and Jesus says, hey, there's this little child, and you want to know what greatness is? It's right here, right here. And then there's this moment, it, it, it takes humility. And, and here's what's amazing, there's, there's this conversation happens twice. And you can just kind of imagine the second time it happens when Jesus is trying again to, to redefine greatness for him. He's like, remember the child? And if you were one of the disciples, you were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that illustration, Jesus. And you, you brought the kid and yeah, oops. Like, because this is, this is one thing I've learned about humility. It's super easy to be humble for like an hour. It is. Like you could be humble for an hour. You have enough willpower, enough stamina to kind of like, okay, I could be humble for a little bit. And then you have a family reunion and you see how humble you really are. Right? Ooh, nothing like family, son. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And she says, no, it, 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 it can be different. To be humble, this, uh, it was a few weeks ago, um, Devin, my wife, she got sick. And so she's in bed. And I think to myself, okay, I'm going to be super husband. I'm going to do it. Uh, what do you need, girl? I've got, like, bottled water. I've got, like, <laughs> you want some chicken noodle soup? I made the girl homemade chicken noodle soup. I mean, I'm talking about boiled the chicken, chopped it up, chopped it all fine. Yeah. It was a little bland. You know, I'm still working on it. Made her, made her the soup. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm, like, giving them baths. I'm doing everything I can. I'm like, yeah. For about two days. On day three, I'm like, girl, you got to get better. I can't do this no more. She's all like, can you get? I'm like, you go get that yourself. I'm, Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> right? 
It's easy to be humble for like a little bit of time. Like this morning, like all of you guys, somebody pulled into your parking spot. Oh, it's okay, brother. Have that parking spot. Oh, somebody skipped in line. Oh, you can have that last cup of coffee. It's okay. We love you. Welcome to church. You're the best. Like tomorrow, you're going to be like laying on horns if somebody tries to take that parking spot. Beep. Get out of here. Like, right? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like among you guys, it's going to be different. True greatness takes humility. True greatness means being a servant. Who's greatest among you? The one that sits at the table, the one who serves. Well, the one who sits at the table, but I among you am the one who serves. To be a servant. There's a story um, of Christian music artist, uh, Rich Mullins. Um, Rich Mullins was kind of the man at, at a certain period of time. He was writing a, r- a lot of really great Christian music. Uh, one of his more popular songs is that song, Our God is an Awesome God. Our God is an Awesome God. Anyway, good song. And, uh, yeah. So they have the Christian Music Awards and uh, whatever, Dove Award or something. And um, well, I, I don't know. I'm getting the details mixed up. Google it. Um, <laughs> you'll get the point. And, and so they're having this, uh, this, uh, this award ceremony for Rich Mullins for, to, to honor Rich. And so everything's going on. Everybody's sitting at these tables. Uh, there's the banquet. There's food. And it comes time for the presentation. And everybody's like, okay, Rich Mullins, come receive your reward. Like, where's he at? Where's, where'd Rich go? And Rich had come in. And he had noticed that the wait staff was shorthanded, so he took his jacket off, put on a waiter's jacket, and was serving everybody, and nobody even recognized it was him. True story. Yeah. He who is greatest among you, let him serve. And Jesus shows us the greatest example. And I heard another preacher say it like this. We call ourselves servants but wait until someone treats us like one. Whoo! And if you want to know what it's like to be treated like a servant, just go wait tables in Calabash. <laughs> People will treat you like a servant. He who is greatest among you, let him be your servant. And then it, and then it says this. They're sitting at this table, and um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And Luke, and we're going to celebrate communion here in a moment, so if those guys want to get it ready. Um, okay, G- Jesus has said this to the disciples. And they've sat at this table, they've, they've partaken in communion. This conversation has come up, uh, and Jesus tells them about being the servant. And then it says this, um, the greatest among you, let him serve. Says, and you have stayed with me in my time of trial. You stayed with me in my time of trial. Here's the thing about greatness. Greatness stays during the hard times. To be great at something, no matter what it is, there's an element that can't, that this always has to, you can't quit. You can't quit when things get tough. You want to do something great, 
don't quit. There's this, uh, this famous kind of YouTube video of this guy that he's running a marathon in Boston. And at some point during the marathon, he's tripped and he's fallen. And he's gotten just all bloodied up in his elbows and his, his knees. And, and the race has kind of come and gone. Everybody's finished. And he's last in line. And he comes across the finish line. And everybody just begins to cheer him on. Not because he was first, but because he finished. So you've got to finish your race. And it doesn't matter if you trip and if you fall time and time again. The Bible says, listen, the righteous man, he, he might fall sometimes, but he gets back up. Never, ever quit. Far better to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor souls who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live their lives in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. See, you can't give up. You have to finish your race, and you're not competing against me. You're not competing against your neighbors. You're not competing for this earthly prize. You're competing for an eternal one. That, he, that the lamb that was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. That everything we do, that God, you be the glory. And, and even if I fail at it, here's the thing. Get back up. I have failed time and time again at being a good father. I'm going to try harder. Next time, I, I failed my wife, I failed my kids, but you know what? I haven't quit. I, I failed as a pastor, but I haven't quit. And if you have quit, get back in the game. If you've tossed in the towel or you just think that you're not good enough or you can't do it, get back in the game. Failed in business at the age of 22, defeated at 23, uh, uh, defeated in, in legislature at age 23, failed in business 24, elected at legislator 25, sweetheart dies at 26, had a nervous breakdown at 27, defeated by speaker 29, defeated for elector 31, defeated for Congress 34, elected to Congress 37, defeated in Congress, 39, defeated for Senate, 46, defeated for Vice President, 47, defeated for Senate, 49, elected President of the United States, age 51, Abraham Lincoln. From the diary of John Wesley, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back there anymore. May 5th, Preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. May 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. May 19th, preached again. At a, at a, 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 preached again. Deacons called special meeting to say that I couldn't return. May 19th p.m., preached on the street. Kicked off the street. May 26th, preached in a meadow. Chased out of the meadow by a bull that was turned loose on me. <laughs> what? June 2nd, preached on the edge of town, kicked off the highway. June 2nd p.m., preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came out to hear me. John Wesley, never, ever, ever give up. Let's pray. Lord, this morning... As we're getting ready to just partake in communion, Lord, for all of us, if we've just, we've just felt defeated, if just, if just the idea 
of doing something great in this life has just fallen to the wayside. If we've believed the lives of the enemies, God, and we just, we've come into this place this morning, Lord, and we just feel like we're at the end of our ropes. Jesus, may your, your spirit just fall. May you stir within us again that we may rise and rise again. God, that we would leave this place, that we would leave our workplace, that we would do everything we can to put everything we can out there and lay it all on the line for you, Jesus, because you're worthy. And we remember, God, that you stepped out of heaven and into humanity. And God, you've made it possible. We can't do it in our own strength, God. We can't do it in our own will. Jesus, we need you. Lord, we just repent. Lord, if in in any ways we've been trying to go our own way. God, we repent if we've been trying to define greatness as being better than the other guy. God, show us what greatness really is. God, we want to be ones that sit at the table and just dine with you. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea